Hi, this is Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, telling you to stay tuned to WNJC, 1360 AM, for Thursday in the Doghouse, coming right up. Mama was a mutt, daddy was one too. Me, I'm a little bit of everything. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Thursday in the Doghouse, the only on-air, online, educational talk radio program all about dogs. I'm your host, Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. And I'm your host, Karen Fazio, the Dog Super Nanny. Karen and I are here every Thursday morning from 10 to 10.30, right here on WNJC, 1360 AM. Karen and I are both professional dog trainers, and our interests lie primarily in the subject of canine behavior. However, we do enjoy talking to many other professionals in this field, like veterinarians, nutrition specialists, authors, shelter and rescue workers, and uh, other trainers throughout the United States and even Europe. If you're a first-time listener or if you just want to hear a show again, you can listen to our podcasts by visiting my website, www.jerseydogtrainer.com. All you have to do is click on the page marked Rini's Radio Show. You can also hear them on Karen's website, which is www.thedogsupernanny.com. If you don't have access to a radio at 10 in the morning, you can <clears throat> always go to wnjc1360.com to hear us live. You'll see a button that says, Listen Live, so just click on it. My guest today, our guest today, is one of our favorite uh, regular visitors to the doghouse. Her name is Sue Belanda. Sue has been in practice since 1961. She's authored several books and has been a search and rescue dog trainer and handler since 1981. She was the head trainer for the Phoenixville, Pennsylvania Fire Department's Canine Search and Rescue Unit. She's also an adjunct professor at Kutztown University and has created a wonderful program specifically for dog training students. And I'm very proud to say that I am involved in that program, too. Um, Sue may not realize it, but she's actually been one of my mentors over the last several years um, just by being on this program. She's answered many questions for our audience, and she's also answered many of my questions. She's, she's, she's just a wonderful um person to learn from, uh, and I've learned a lot. We'll be talking with Sue today about the subject of living with high-drive dogs. We'll explain what that means in just a moment, but first, please let Karen Fazio tell you what services she offers as a professional trainer in the Keyport, New Jersey area. Are you the owner of a fearful or aggressive dog and don't know where to turn? Have you called other trainers and they've turned you down because they don't want to deal with an aggression case? Then My Best Friend Dog Training and its special service, the Dog Super Nanny, is maybe just what you're looking for. We do in-home private consultations. We're located in Keyport, New Jersey, and we do travel. Our phone number is 732-533-9376, and our website is mybestfrienddogschool.com. We are positive-based trainers and don't use physical punishment or fear as a way to motivate your dog. We use games and fun as a way to do that, and we also help you during the whole process. So give us a call. We're here for you. 732-533-9376. Is your dog always in the doghouse? 
Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rini Premeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Welcome back to Thursday in the Doghouse. You're here with Karen Fazio and Rini Primeza, professional dog trainers in New Jersey. And we're talking today with Susan Belanda um, about high-drive dogs. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Thank you again for visiting us in the Doghouse. I can't wait to talk to you about this subject. Um, a lot of people, have, I don't think, have ever heard of that phrase, high-drive dog. So can you... Define what that means um, so that people understand what we're talking about. Well, generally, it applies to a working dog, a breed that's bred to do a job that still has the instincts to do the job because many breeds don't. And uh, it's it's a it's sort of like um, a dog that that's in his mind. He's going, I, I got to do something. I got to do something. I can't sit around. I got to do something. <laughs> Um, it's sort of like a type A personality in a, in a human. Right. But the, the thing that, um, is, is kind of subjective because what I call high drive, somebody else may not. For example, a high drive pug would be a comatose border collie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's hysterical, Susan. <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, it, you have to, you know, it's it's subjective and uh it depends um what a person can live with. Mm-hmm. And and that's the key here. Before you get a dog, even if it's a mixed breed dog, you you have to determine how much activity can you live with. Because you're not going to change a high drive dog into a a comatose dog. Right. You know? Right. A couch potato. Mm-hmm. It, it is the essence of their being. And if you can't live with it, don't get it. And that's the key because if you have a high drive dog, you know, it, it's got, I gotta do something. I gotta, I'm bored to death. What, 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 you know, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. He's gonna find something to do. Correct. And what he's gonna find to do, I guarantee, is not what you're gonna want him to do. Mm-hmm. Which is destroy the couch, tear up the carpets, chew the wall. I mean, Dogs will do that out of boredom. It's not always a, an issue of a uh, behavioral problem. It's a problem of they got to do something. Mm-hmm. So, and most people work, and they they think, well, I'll walk my dog for an hour in the morning, an hour at night. Well, to a high drive dog, that's just the beginning of a warm up. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey Sue, can I interrupt? Yeah. 
you know, I, I, when, when, I, when I talk to my own clients about exactly what you just said, um, you know, they don't understand why their dog is, you know, misbehaving and it's doing this and doing that. And I said, you know what, try one day, go out for a walk with your dog, come back, and then do nothing for the rest of the day. Don't talk to anybody on the phone. Don't text anybody. Don't watch TV. Don't do laundry. Don't do any of the things that you normally do. Try to live your life exactly as your dog lives. And you will not even be able to make it through the day. That's so true. That is right. so true. It's like locking yourself up in a closet uh, with uh. no with no mental stimulation, nothing to think about, nobody to talk to, and nothing to see except the four walls of the closet. It's amazing how dogs are behaved as well as they are. Right. Exactly. Well, that's and and part of that is because dogs are programmed to be most active morning and evening. That's yeah, I see and that. And they they generally will sleep through the day unless they're really a high drive dog. But you know that's why they can adapt, and they're very adaptable and they're very intelligent. And people always underestimate how smart their dogs are. And mm-hmm. the smarter the dog is, the harder it is to live with them. Right. That's, because that's... they they get bored. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you you take a, a, a border collie or um, an Australian Shepherd or a cattle dog, any one of the herding breeds that that herd dogs, not not guard them, uh, that herd livestock. They're bred to do about 50 miles of hill country a day. Mm. And it's not that they go in a linear 50 miles, but they they run around the herd back and forth as they move the herd. They're going back and forth and back and forth. It's like search and rescue dogs. For every mile the handler walks, the dog does three. Wow. And that's because they're quartering the same as hunting dogs. They call that quartering in the field. They go back and forth looking for whatever it is they're supposed to look for mm-hmm. or controlling whatever it is supposed to control. Mm-hmm. Then you take that animal and you put him in a, a house, an apartment, whatever, and <clears throat> they have no place or nothing to do. And putting them in the backyard, some people think, well, I'll leave them out in the yard all day. Well, first of all, that's unsafe. And secondly, no dog is going to run around the yard by himself with no reason to run around the yard. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is come up with a, p- a place that you could buy sheep. <laughs> well, some people do. Some people, you know, some people, um, when I had my border collie, I, you know, I had um, ducks. And so I let my border collie herd the ducks. Um, and you can you can actually train border collies specifically to herd ducks. Um, they, so they so it doesn't start- always have to be the sheep. Yeah, they start a lot of dogs that are going to work sheep. They start them on ducks as puppies. Right, right. So because if you put a young dog on sheep and the sheep get ornery, then the dog can become frightened of sheep for the rest of its life. Wow. Yeah. Sure. But uh, but the point is, you know, so you didn't know better and you got yourself a high drive dog. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, there's always a couple of options. One option is rehome the dog in an environment where he's not going to go crazy. But that's not the favorite option. Right. It's an option. It mm-hmm. is an option. Mm-hmm. And some people opt for that because they put the dog's best interests first. Now, the other option is provide something for the dog to do during the day. And that would be uh, interactive toys or, or a dog walker or doggy daycare. You know, there are, there are options for that. And like I said, dogs mostly are quiet quietest during the day so it's a little easier to manage but the critical thing about that is you must provide them adequate exercise 
morning and evening. Mm-hmm. Now, what I've done, I always own high-drive dogs. I mean, border collies, herding dogs, terriers. I mean, the the only dog I never owned that was not... The only dog I ever owned that was not a high-drive dog was a Havanese. <laughs> and uh, and she worked. She she actually had a job. She was a, a mold detection dog. Oh. But, uh, matter of fact, it was kind of a joke among her, her my friends, the Havanese people, because she was the only Havanese that actually earned a living. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the point is that you have to provide um, exercise for them. Now, what I do whenever I move, which I've unfortunately had to do frequently, I try my best to buy a piece of property on a slope. And I teach my dogs to retrieve, and I throw frisbees or toys or whatever for them, so mm-hmm. they have to run up and down the slope. Mm-hmm. Even my 14-year-old border collie still goes out for four or five minutes a day mm-hmm. and runs and chases his frisbee. Mm-hmm. Not because he needs a physical exercise; it's actually hard for him because mentally he needs it. Right. Right. And he lets me know when the time comes. You know, I usually have a routine every day, and when it's that time, he lets me know, hey, it's time to go out and get the Frisbee. Mm-hmm. My Terrier the same way. Mm-hmm. The two of them, I look like an idiot. I'm swinging a Terrier by a toy through the air because that's what he likes. <laughs> Is that <laughs> a Jack Russell hand, you have? I'm doing that with one hand while I'm throwing a Frisbee with the other <laughs> hand. God, I don't have three dogs. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> What um? What's, what, that's what you have to do. What specific breeds? Can you go down a list? Um, you know, you mentioned terriers, you mentioned border collies. What specific breeds would you alert people to um, if they're considering uh, purchasing or adopting a dog um, that might very likely be high drive dogs? Well, that's tough because it depends on the breeding. You know, uh, breeds have um, like people you have different cultural groups of people and a lot of those cultural groups have gifts that because they've they've been a small community for hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. they develop a talent like the the american indian tribe that does all the high um grid work in skyscrapers they, yeah, that's they the have, Iroquois nation. yeah they have the ability to go up there and not get dizzy well wow. and uh and dogs are not much different. So you can get a um, a dog from a breed that's typically high drive. You can get a line of dogs that are not as high drive because they've not been bred for work. Mm-hmm. So you really have to do your homework. Typically, dogs that are, uh, and, and, and it's very, um, it would be easier. The dogs least likely to be high drive are your, your toys and companion dogs. Right. And those dogs are small enough to, that you can exercise them if they tend to be a little bit of a high-drive individual. Mm-hmm. But you definitely, the big mistake people make in the past, oh, I'd say, correct me if I'm wrong, but 10 years, is is getting border collies. And that's because they see them on commercials and TV and movies, and mm-hmm. they think, oh, this is such a smart, wonderful pet. Mm-hmm. The big mistake is getting a dog like that because most people cannot live with a dog like that, and those dogs are not bred to be pets. Mm-hmm. And they're not good with children, and they're not, they don't make good pets, mm-hmm. a good working border collie. Mm-hmm. And you know, you say, oh, well, I'm going to do agility on the weekends. Well, that still leaves six days of the week. Correct. That's right. I mean, 
you know, you've got to you got to think of that. And and there's why there's so many border collies up for adoption because people get them and they realize they can't live with them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, and the sad thing is, a true, real working border collie is not a, a high drive dog, not in the sense of hyper. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between high drive and hyper. All my border collies have been true working border collie lines, mm-hmm. and they can turn it off. Mm-hmm. And But most of what's available, especially on the East Coast, are not that type of a dog. Those dogs, because we don't have a lot of sheep herders in our country, those dogs are not that common. It is difficult. If you have a border collie, and let's say you're in the state of New Jersey or you live in Philadelphia, it's very hard to find trainers um, who train sheep uh, dogs on sheep, and it's also even more difficult if you found a trainer um, to find a positive trainer. It's a pretty rough rough thing to watch i mean i've i you know when i had my border collie i did i did look for trainers and i did have somebody <clears throat> excuse me working with my border collie for a while um and we actually worked with him for a year but you know after a while it just got so tough the trainer got so tough on the dog i had to remove him i couldn't take him back there anymore right um right. and i wasn't going to expose my dog to that kind of training um, and the things that were suggested to me were incredible. Um, I would never do to any dog. Right, right, and that's true for hunting dogs, by the way. There's one group of people called positive uh, hunting dog trainers mm-hmm. that that use the positive methods on hunting dogs, but typically the uh, herding training and the hunting dog field training for hunting dogs, uh, they use e-collars and they use, you know, really... Harsh method. I have to tell you, one thing that was suggested to me to do with my border collie, because he did have behavior issues, that's how I wound up uh, inheriting him, actually, because um, he he was aggressive. And so with the herding, you know, doing the sheep herding helped him tremendously. Um, but this trainer suggested that uh, I send him to Oklahoma where a trainer would hang him. Oh, oh my yeah. God, really? Yep, 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 that was the day I left. That, oh, yeah, that is that is an old training method, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of trainers still do that. Yes, they do. Yes, and they do. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that was developed in World War II uh, to train military dogs by uh, Bill Keeler. Yep. And, and William Kohler gives you step-by-step instructions in the Kohler method of dog training. Right. On right. how to hang, how to drown, you know, how to put your dog's head in the water until he's almost unconscious. Right, right. And that's, that's the old methods that people at, in those days did not understand and did not believe the dogs could think. Mm-hmm. They believe they operated purely by instinct, but yeah. that's kind of getting off track here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is that if you, you know, the, the the secret here is don't get a high drive dog if you don't have the room and the ability to train them because a high drive dog has to be exercised, which means in order to exercise them properly, they've got to be controllable off-leash. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your Border Collie had an aggression issue. That is not uncommon in Border Collies. They are not bred to be people-friendly. They're bred to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of your uh, old-time Border Collie breeders didn't care whether they liked strangers or not. All they cared about was do these dogs work and do they work well. Mm-hmm. And that's another problem that people have when they get that breed. But, again, you have... Um, 
you know, there's other breeds, uh, some retrievers that are that are notoriously what we call hard, that are that are more likely to bite. And people hear the word retriever and they think golden retrievers, which are soft as a ball of fluff, uh-huh. and Labrador retrievers, which used to be and aren't so much anymore. Right. And uh, they think you know retriever is synonymous with a good pet, but there are some breeds of retriever that are not mm-hmm. easy to handle, such as the Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Yeah. Um, they're they're notoriously tough dogs, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know a lot of people are not prepared for that. So the real message here is: do your homework. Mm, Don't believe the books. Talk to people that own them, because most books are not going to tell you the truth about the breeds. There's only one book that I've ever seen that actually will tell you the truth about a breed, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's in print. It's Simon and Schuster's Guide to Dogs. Mm. And that book will tell you this dog, this breed has a tendency to bite, this breed is, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're not prepared to train a dog like that properly, and this, and this, and the essence of that is you've got to start as soon as you get them. Mm-hmm. I still have a question. Um, yeah. When someone goes to select a puppy, say, from one of these breeders or, you know, can they see these traits from a really young age? Sometimes, yes. And what would you have to look for? Well, first of all, when you select a puppy, uh, you should listen to your breeder if the breeder is, is an honest person. Because sometimes breeders try to pass off a bad puppy on an unknowing person. But mm-hmm. your breeder knows that, that those puppies better than anybody else. Then I have a really simple formula for picking out a puppy. Unless you're a professional, it's hard to spot, but you don't want the puppy that comes... When you first walk in the door and the litter of puppies is there, you don't want the puppy that comes to you first. That's usually the dominant one. He's not rushing over and falling in love with you. He says, i got to get there first because I'm in charge and you guys can't have it till I have it. That's not the good pet, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. What you, you don't want the puppy that, that hangs out last because he's the one who's timid and shy and is going to have uh, social issues. Mm -hmm. What you want is you want to walk around the room quietly. No kids, by the way, no kids. Uh, One adult goes in with the litter, and you walk around the room quietly, and the puppy that stays with you the longest is the one you want. Right. Because that's the one that's most Mm human-oriented. And what if it's the one that came running to you from the beginning? (laughs) That's what she said. Never had that happen. Don't worry about it. (laughs) That one usually comes, looks at you, and then then it's kind of like, oh, you're old hat, I'm not interested anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the dominant dog, the the assertive dog, I don't like the word dominant, it implies wrong, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the assertive dog is not going to be interested in you. He just had to be there first. Right. And the other thing, um, there are puppy tests you can do, but they're not reliable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you don't, you don't, and I can't stress this enough, ever want to do dominance downs or alpha rollovers with puppies. Mm-hmm. Oh. All you do is teach them not to trust people. Oh, try to convince some clients about that. My goodness yeah. gracious. Right. They get started in doing that, and all I hear is, well, it's working, it's working, but it's not working because you're always having to do it. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> exactly. thing is, it, it's working until the dog gets big enough to fight back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that's something, and there are certain breeds 
of dogs that if you do that to them, they will really hurt you. Right. And it's just, you you just don't want to do that stuff. And that's one of the things they say to test a puppy is hold them in your arms on their back until they stop struggling. And that's the worst thing you could do because all you're doing is teaching the dog fear and mistrust. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the secret is know your breed, go out and see dogs of the breed, go out and see different breeders, don't... Um, take the first thing you meet because I like I tell people you wouldn't marry the first person that walked down the street that you met mm-hmm. don't take the first dog because dogs matching the right dog with the right family is very critical mm-hmm. to success mm-hmm. and then you know especially if children are involved you get the wrong dog it doesn't work it gets nasty it threatens the kids the kids aren't going to understand that you're going to break their heart mm-hmm. yeah. so it's critical to get the right dog for your situation whether it be whatever it be and don't pick it because of its looks right you know so many people think oh i'll get this nice quiet great pyrenees (laughs) big wrong choice Mm -hmm. these are livestock guarding dogs they're bred to be quiet but they're also bred not to give a hoot about what anybody wants Mm -hmm. very independent very independent not bred to work with man they work to bred to work without man right and you know what sue you talked about dominance before and so many of my clients who have these dogs attribute their behavior to dominance oh my dog is trying to dominate because he's doing this he's doing that and really it's because the dog has nothing else to do um has nothing to do with being dominant well let me just comment quickly the whole dominance thing has been been debunked Mm -hmm. the the whole alpha dominant pecking order thing has been proven to be inaccurate that that theory and notice i said theory came from observing captive wolves that were Mm -hmm. put together that weren't a normal pack and the behavior and the observations were not right, and that was where they came up with the uh, alpha wolf, the dominance, there has to be a leader of the pack. In a real, honest-to-God wolf pack, the leadership changes depending on the job that has to be done. And this is something that um, dogs are not wolves. So a lot of this wolf theory stuff, doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. Ian Dunbar, 20 years ago, said that. Maybe mm-hmm. it was 30. Anyway, he said that. If you want to know about dogs, study dogs. Don't study wolves to learn about dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was one. He was the first person to come out and say that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's true. Dogs are not wolves. I don't care what anyone believes. And there's even questions whether they're descended from wolves. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the, the bottom line is that um, if you study archaeozoology, you'll find they have evidence now that dogs have been around before, quote, cavemen. So, yeah. you know, you gotta, you got to take all this stuff with a big grain of salt. All right. Sue, we mentioned mental stimulation earlier, um, uh, we, and unfortunately we only have about two and a half minutes. If, if you have a dog that's highly energetic, um, high drive, just really needs to be kept busy. What ideas can you suggest to our listeners for providing mental stimulation um, when that dog can, you know, when that dog, you, you come home from work and it's time to exercise the dog and walks just aren't always cutting it. What else can they do? Well, they can play games with the dog. 
the if for mental stimulation, the best thing is learn how to clicker train your dog and mm-hmm. teach him tricks. Mm-hmm. Teach him routines, not just tricks, but routines. Mm-hmm. Very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for during the day, you find what toys your dog likes, providing that they're not harmful. And it depends from dog to dog. Some dogs can't have anything stuffed because they shred it. Right. You don't want to give your dogs anything that's edible. You don't want to give them pig's ears, raw hides, cow hooves. All that stuff can kill your dog. Right. Um, basically, anything made by Kong or any kind of a nylon product that's super hard. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Bite a Bone makes uh, nylon bones that, that terriers can't destroy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you find out what your dog likes to play with, and you let them have that during the day. Mm-hmm. When you come home, you come up with an activity. Even if you live in an apartment, you can teach your dog to do tricks. Mm-hmm. And just the mental stimulation, because mental stimulation will tire a dog out as much as physical. Right. Not mm-hmm. saying you can replace physical with mental, but mental does, does. I mean, anybody that's had to learn stuff like mathematical formulas sure. knows how they'd like to fall asleep afterwards. Right. That's yeah. because they're mentally exhausted. Right. So, you know, the dog is not much different, but mm-hmm. they love it. They love it. And you can, if you have more than one dog, teach them to teach them to do an act together. Mm-hmm. You know, Karen, um, this is a great topic, and um, you know, I don't think we have an interview next week. I would like next week let's, to let's, be. Yeah, let's continue it because I, I yeah. have the. Uh, I'm actually talking with a trainer out in Colorado that's working with a really difficult case, and mm-hmm. I had given her some suggestions. She mm-hmm. just loved them. Yeah, mental um, stimulation is something we need to really yeah. teach people how to provide. Definitely. Yeah. Sue, I, you know, I always love when you come here, and I want to, uh, we want to make sure that we have set another date for you to come by and talk to us about some more things that concern dogs. You are an educator um, that I truly treasure, and um, um, we're, we're going to set you up and bring you back very soon. Okay. And thank, thank you. you so much. And um, I hope everybody, got, you know, got a lot out of today's show. It really is important. Um, you know, it doesn't. You know, you need to. You need to provide what your dog needs, and you just can't ignore it, and you can't correct it. Um, when dogs are high drive like this, there's nothing to correct. The dog is that's part of his personality. So n- listen in next week, and we're going to talk about ways of providing mental stimulation. And I hope everybody has a great day, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Have a good week. Take care. Thank you, Sue. Bye. Bye. Where you've been since two o'clock? I've been holding it in. Grab the leash. Let's go. Chop, chop. If I don't get out soon, the cork's gonna pop. Twist and shout.